Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 648th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who teaches us to return to living as we were designed. We're talking with Tony Horn about living in harmony. Tony is an educator and author. He has taught both junior high and college students and has many years of corporate experience as an instructional designer. He is an author of several books, including The Three R's, Government for the Way People Live, and his most recent book, Change or Perish. He's also the founder of Community Groove, Inc., a nonprofit company dedicated to rebuilding strong communities globally. He lives in Sun Lake, Arizona, where he writes and enjoys playing tennis. Welcome to the show today, Tony. Are you ready to rock? Let's do it. All right. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Absolutely. And thanks, Greg, for having me. Oh, you um, bet. Yeah. I was born in Berkeley, California, uh, around the time that uh, of the Pearl Harbor attack. So to give you an idea of my age. My father was captain of a battleship during World War II. Wow. And I was a very idealistic young fellow. I, I still am. You know, that, that really hasn't changed. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, I was very intrigued with politics. And I had this desire, even in my late teens, to get into politics. But I think I lacked the tough crust that politics requires. Right. You know, so, you know, and I'm sure that many of our listeners relate to that, that sense of wanting to do something, but the fear of of the repercussions and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and this is something we really struggle with today, with especially with so much dissension and division and all that sort of thing. Yeah. As uh, Greg mentioned, I am an author, a trainer. I spent many years in the corporate world, and then I taught junior high school here in the Valley. So, uh, you know, I'm still, as I mentioned, an idealist. I really believe that we, we can have the life we want. You know, it's not the world of somebody else. It's our world. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, something that we have to take responsibility for. And, you know, many of us are just like, I, I want to do that, but I don't know how. And that's the struggle that I think humans are facing today. We know the area, the direction we're going in is unsustainable, but what we don't know, what's the better way? How do you think 
that we get people to wake up to this? Because I've always had this, well, I call it my 99-1 rule. 99% of the time people wake up because they get hit by a Mack truck, metaphorically, or maybe they get hit by a Mack truck. And 1% of the time people wake up because they choose to wake up. So how do we get people shifted from the Mack truck syndrome to, oh my gosh, we've got to change this? Right. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. You know, the, the first part of it is desperation, which you mentioned. You know, when people get desperate enough and they're hurting enough and their sense of what is right, their sense of the, the life they, they are living versus the life that in their heart they know they could have or they had desire to have, when that becomes so separate, people are become desperate and then they're willing to open the door to other modalities and responses. But I also believe, and the kind of the second part of the thing that you talked about, Greg, I also believe that people can be motivated by the passion of somebody who believes or, or a group of people who believe in what they're doing. Mm, and mm-hmm. the, the huge difference is, is it, is, are you in your head or are you in your heart? Because our head is going to just fear and greed and, you know, all those seven deadly sins that we all struggle with. But if you can come from the heart, all things are possible. And that's, a, you know, there's a saying I love, the longest six inches in the world is the distance from the head to the heart. Yeah, there you go. In your writing, you wrote the following, you have the following, and it says, the present direction and behavior of humanity is unsustainable. We have stopped living naturally in harmony with our human design and are currently living in conflict with each other, with the earth, and with the rest of life on it. We must return to living as we were designed. Can you say a little bit more about that and because this is something that weighs on me every day because I've been seeing it happen for my entire, you know, 60 years on this planet. If you look at the world right now, just think of the world, this beautiful world that we have and the, the mountains and the valleys and the beautiful blue sky and the colors and the animals. And, you know, it's absolutely beautiful. And then you look at what humanity is doing. And I mean, humanity is beautiful too, but some of our behavior is not. And that, that, is where, that is where the problem comes in. So, so if we say, well, you know, what are the problems in the world, the political problems and the turmoil and whatever, you know, I mean, all of it can be traced to, to the behavior that humanity is, is exhibiting. So we've got to move from an unsustainable direction to something that is sustainable. And I can tell you this right now, this is kind of like a newsflash, you know, the problems in the world are only human problems. If you pictured for a moment, removing all the humans from the world, the earth is a beautiful thing again. It's a paradise. Yeah. It's going to go along just fine, you know, right. and the problems of humanity are simply because we are in a clash with our design. You know, we were just, we, we've been, humans have been around our ancestors for 3 million years. And for 3 million years, we lived in harmony with the rest of the world, in harmony with, with everything else that, that gave us life in the first place, including the earth. You know, all of a sudden, a few hundred years ago, we knew better, you know, and every, all the social problems that we have today stem from the fact that we have stopped living in harmony with our design. 
I love the work that you do because that's the, the, you know, harmony is growing your own food, you know, being concerned about nutritional food for mm, your children, mm -hmm. regenerative farming, putting the, putting the life back into the soil and the worms and the microorganisms and not killing them with chemicals. And, uh, you know, that's the, you know, that's the path out of the, the unsustainable direction that we're going. And that is growing our own food. Yes. I love to hear that. And <laughs> before we actually jump in that direction, let's talk about the produce section at our big box store and how it looks nutritious. Is it really? That's a very, very good question. You know, one of the sites I follow is the Organic Consumer Association, and they're very much into regenerative farming. And, you know, one revelation I've had, and I, 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 I believe this to be true, but I, I can't affirm it for sure. But when you take these huge factory farms and you use the chemicals that are being used on the soil, and then you grow a head of lettuce, and that head of lettuce may look fine and it may show up in your store. I, I, I believe, and I'm, well, people that I read seem to confirm this, that head of lettuce does not contain the nutrition that a, an organically grown head of lettuce will contain. And you know, today, look at the results of that. Our kids, uh, uh, allergies. I don't remember problems with allergies today. The children are just, uh, and the pets, and everybody are just struggling with allergies and mm -hmm. with obesity and all these things. And, you know, it's very possible they're eating that lettuce and those vegetables and fruit and whatever, and they're not getting the nutrition that God put into that food in the first place, you know? So anyway, that's, you know, a short answer to that issue. It's a good, very good point. Yeah. And so looking down the pathway of regenerative farming, from your perspective, what is that? Regenerative farming, treating the soil as if it is organic, which it is, and supporting that soil, rejuvenating the soil, not killing the organisms in it with chemicals and, and that sort of thing. And one thing that I have picked up on, and the readers, if they are familiar with this, listeners, I should say, might also enjoy this. When our soil has been regenerated and it's full of organisms and all the things that it's supposed to have, it draws the methane and the CO2 and, and pollution and carbon out of, the, out of the atmosphere back into the soil. And you know, if we could regenerate our farms and you know, local organic farms and or the urban farm like you're doing, Greg, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, and, and eliminate this killing of everything that lives, you know, if we could do that, I, I think that, I think that you know, we, we would see some changes that none of us can believe. So you talk about living in peace and in what you just said, I see and from, from that perspective and from what I've watched happen over the past 40 years, we have an all out war on nature around our food systems. If it's not positively impacting our food systems, we're throwing chemicals at it to kill it or, or, you know, or try and make it better kind of reflect on that from a peace perspective. One thing I, that I would like to state, you mentioned this, Greg, but I just want to restate it. When we talk about peace, it's important to know, I think, our definition of peace. 
because Webster's Dictionary doesn't know what peace is. It says uh, peace right? Is, yeah, it says peace is the absence of conflict. Well, that's like me saying to you, love is the absence of hate. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe it is, but peace is so much more than that. And our definition of peace is is living in harmony with our design. Whether I'm a palm tree or a human being or a giraffe. You know, if I'm living in harmony with my design, I'm living in peace. Does that mean I never have conflict? Of course not. Life just isn't that way. We all deal with conflict. But if we can live the way we were designed to live, then we will, um, you know, then, then that, that is our definition of peace. So, you know, so having said that, I, I have to say one thing which, which is somewhat unpopular, and that is this, that Although it's wonderful that all of us are doing everything we can to, to grow organic, to, re, to compost, to recycle, to do all those things, there's another thing going on that has to be addressed. And we've got this, this tremendous juggernaut, which is large, powerful, oppressive government in collusion with big corporations, and now today, some of the social media. And that's unfortunately making it very difficult for us to go in the direction we want to go. The reason I'm raising this is, you know, people hear that and they go, oh, government, we can't change, we can't do anything. You know, we at least have to open the door to that. And, you know, you say, how are you gonna make a change? You and I aren't going to as individuals, but together, united in a global grassroots effort, we can make a difference. You say, well, no, that won't happen. The USSR fell, you know, Iraq fell, you know, Rome fell. Every culture goes through this and some fall, you know. So when we say we can't do anything, we can. And I know it's not easy. I know it creates tension in our gut, you know, but it's something that we just have to be sensitive to. Yeah. And so this notion of living in peace within our design. How does one go about discovering that? I mentioned a moment ago, and I am the very, very worst person to say this, but, you know, we unfortunately kind of worship our minds. You know, that's that's the problem that humanity has, our modern humanity. And I, I'm not, a, not, don't want to get into the religious side of this, but in, in the book of Genesis, you know, we read about Adam and Eve and how they were tossed out of the out of paradise, you know, because they said to God, basically, oh, we eat the apple and we'll have the knowledge and we don't need you anymore kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where we're at today. So, you know, so if you look out there and you're concerned about the, the state of humanity, realize that what we've got going is, a, is millions of minds trying to make sense of something that is not a part of the mind. It has, it's something that has to happen in the heart. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I struggle with, and I'm, I'll just say this personally, you know, the more I can get out of my head and find a better way, find that way in the heart, you know, to, to look to look at things in, in love and in connection and, mm -hmm. you know, and working together instead of, you know, we're not human beings are 99% the same, but we spend our lives on the 1% finding the differences. It's just to me, a little bit crazy. Right? I was just thinking, there's a song out there uh, that has a line in it, get out of my head and into my heart. And I was just looking to see if I could find that. I'm not seeing anything, but uh, oh. I've heard that before. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wish I'd written a song. There you go. So let's talk about your book real quick, Change or Perish. Where'd it come from and what's your thought behind it? Right. Well, you know, I tried to come up with a title that, you know, sadly, we all of us are so inundated with data and facts and social media and everything. It's hard to get people's attention. And the idea behind Change or Perish is not to be a doomsayer or anything, but just try to get people's attention. You know, but we do need to change. And the change really boils down to what I just mentioned. I, I know for myself that I've got to I've got to suspend my judgment and try to go into the heart and say to myself, what what are you know, what can I do? What can I do for others? You know, it's not, not all about me. And I'm I'm as selfish as the next person, but what can I do for others? What is the right way for humanity to go forward? And I think if we ask questions like that, we will, you know, we'll make good choices and we'll pick people who who represent us that can, you know, that can follow up on those choices instead of the division and the hate and the separateness that we're seeing today. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right. Thank you. Change or perish. You can uh... Find it on your website? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Our website is called areturntopeace.com. We also have a Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash areturntopeace. And uh, we would love to have you visit. Nice. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. I have to tell you about a failure that I'm struggling with right now, because I've been doing what I'm doing right now for at least 10 years. And we've had this website and we, we, as uh, Greg mentioned, we also have a companion site, which is a nonprofit company, communitygroup.org. And, you know, all the efforts that we've made, uh, we really don't have much of a following, you know, on mm-hmm. Facebook, we've got four or 500 people that, that, that kind of track us or, or have at least responded to our Facebook page on our website. We, we, you can join, there's no cost for it or anything like that. And we've, we've really had, had very little traffic there. So, you know, it's, it, is it a failure? You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling. I, I mentioned the change or perish. You know, you're trying to get people's attention, yeah. trying to let them know that you have something that you, you feel strongly about, that you would like them to join with you. And somehow that's a hard message to get across. You know, if I was selling T-shirts, all I'd have to do is show you the T-shirt, give you the price, and if you liked it, you'd buy it. Unfortunately, we're not selling T-shirts, so it's a uh, it's a struggle. Yeah. And what do you consider your biggest success? Uh, well, I certainly have had some successes. You know, I've got four wonderful kids and some grandchildren and great grandchildren, and uh, and I'm certainly proud of them. You know, I have been a good student. I've been a bad student too, but I've been a good student, and you know, I'm Phi Beta Kappa and a few things like that. Um, I was in sales for many years. I, I was in the corporate world. I worked for Intel Corporation for quite a while. I retired from there. Uh-huh. And, but prior to that, I was in sales and I was, I was one of the top salespeople. And how, don't ask me how I ever got into sales because I <laughs> feel like I'm a more introverted kind of person. But for some reason, I, I found a way to succeed in that. And uh, so, you know, as you had mentioned, Greg, I'm an author. I'm a, the director of the, this two corporations that we have, our two uh, companies. 
And, you know, I'm just doing what I can. Really, the, the truth of it is I'm just a, another human being, another bozo on the bus, just like the rest of the 7 billion people out there. And yeah. I'm just dying for us to all get together and join and see if we can't get on a path that, you know, get kind of get away from this warring and destruction and everything and environmental issues and climate and all that and, and go on a path that takes us to peace. You know? And what drives you? I mentioned a minute ago about the conflict that I have between the head and the heart. And I think the answer to that question could best be said this way, that if I'm in my head, what drives me is fear and greed. That's why I cannot rely on my thinking. You know, I think we idolize think so my head operates on the, on the basis of fear and greed. Now, my heart is where the passion is. And I have a lot of passion. Hopefully you hear that in my voice. Right. I have a lot of passion for what I'm doing. So I would say to people, and I'm really saying this to myself, that the more I can be in my heart, the more I can go and find that passion within me. That's where the, that's where the good stuff is going to happen. That's where the change is going to happen. That's where people are going to find the new, better way. And we've just got to be a little bit careful about our heads because they can tell us some pretty <laughs> unusual things. Right. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Okay. The book that came to my mind or that comes to my mind is a book, the title might put you off, but uh, stay with me here. The book is called Power, and the author is Thich Nhat Hanh. Oh. Thich Nhat Hanh is a, is a Buddhist monk. Yep. He was an activist in Vietnam, all during the Vietnam War, did a tremendous, put his life on the line repeatedly and tried to bring peace to that warring situation. And he's a wonderful man. Uh, he, you know, if he's, I, I'm not even sure if he's still alive. I know he's in his 90s, but he's written several books and a very, very peaceful, wonderful man. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance, if you go on Amazon, you can pull up his books and you can, uh, you know, review them and everything. And, you know, maybe take a little clip and just see a little about, about what he says. And he, you know, he's, he's a, he, peace is where he wants us to go. And I, uh, I, I couldn't recommend anything more highly than, than his book and, and power. And when he talks about power, he, you, you have to, you know, it's not the kind of power you're used to thinking about. It's power that comes from the heart. Right. Wow. He is still with us. Oh, good. Uh, as good. of today, uh, he is 94 years old. Oh, boy. That's thick, not Han. Yes. Oh, very good. And yes. what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, the first thing is keep doing what you're doing. I know, I know the listener because I know Greg and what he's doing. And I'm, I can picture the people that are, would be listening to this podcast and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I absolutely uh, support you. And, uh, you know, we need, we, we need to keep doing it and, and be attractive to other people so that they can want to do what we're doing too, you know. And the other part of that is, you know, let's come together, you know, let's join, let's find our, let's, let's look for the similarities, not the differences. Mm -hmm. Let's look for where we're, the, we're similar instead of where we're different. Amen to that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Tony. So glad to be here. Thanks, Greg, for having me. And how can our listeners find you? Ah, uh, yes. So our website is uh, 
www.areturntopeace.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash a return to peace. Um, our companion nonprofit site is communitygroup.org. And we can also, you can also find me on Amazon. I have an author page. Oh, uh, nice. my, yes, my books are available there. You may have to dig a little bit. I'll tell you right now, sometimes you have to do a little searching to get to them, but persevere and you'll find them. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. And you, you can bet. also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash a return to peace. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.